We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. The tour ratio. Okay, though. The tour ratio. Okay, though. Bitcoin is like 95% owned by like billionaires, whales, who own the overwhelming majority of the Bitcoin that there is in the world and will ever be. You're making my point about why there's this immediacy of now of onboarding people of color and historically marginalized people into Bitcoin. We gotta get folks in now. It's, and, and so the narrative that they missed the boat or it's too late, no, no, no. There's less than there's less than two percent worldwide adoption. It is super early, and yeah, there's there's there are whales that that have a, a huge amount of it, but that doesn't mean that more diversity and ownership of satoshis. Because you got to remember, that over time, they will start to let some of their holdings go because it won't make sense to continue to hold that much of it. It's going to get spread out over time. I would argue to you that the opportunity for decentralization exists so much more in Bitcoin than it does in fiat currency or hard money. A lot of people are super excited about Bitcoin. A lot of people are nervous about Bitcoin. One of the people who are excited about it is actor Hill Harper. You've seen him in a million things, including probably The Good Doctor on ABC. He's launched an app called The Black Wall Street that allows you to have a digital wallet for peer-to-peer payment, to trade cryptocurrencies. He's all about Bitcoin, thinks this is a critical way for Black people to acquire wealth because we're just at the beginning of the Bitcoin takeover of the world. So let's check it out. It's Hill Harper talking about his acting career and the world of cryptocurrency. Hill Harper on Torre Show. I know that you are on this national mission to get Black people thinking about their financial future um, in a little bit of a different way. And there's a partner... Uh, you have who's been working, helping you work toward this. Naja Roberts. I'm curious how you came into thinking about cryptocurrency. Because I know for me and for a lot of people, there was a period when you were either like, that's some crazy shit. I don't want to, you know, mess around with some crazy shit. Or there's no inherent value. I'll just stay with the stock market. 
or you're feeling like, uh, you know, it's too late. I missed it. Oh, well. And none of those things are true. None of those things are accurate. Uh, you know, in the last several months, I've gotten way into the space. So I'm, 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 I'm excited to see you, you know, trying to get other people interested. How did it start for you, for you to be like, yo, this is, this is a really valuable, legitimate area of, of, of investing? Okay. That's a, it's a great question. It starts for me originally with this book, The Wealth Cure, <clears throat> that I wrote 10 years ago, right? And okay. so the idea is how do we cure the we- racial wealth gap and what could we do individually to build wealth in our community? So with this book, it started, but the thing was technology wasn't there to scale because you can have the best intentions, but if the, if, if there's still massive systemic barriers, th- th- it's, it's like you just, it's, you're, you're hamstrung or, or almost like handcuffed to be able to sort of break those chains. And then comes along blockchain technology, emphasis on decentralization and technology that focuses on literally tearing down barriers to entry and, and decreasing friction of people in all sorts of areas. Obviously, it started earlier in other areas than money and capital flows. It started you know, with just general access to information when you're talking about social media and how people access their information and the decentralization of that. And then, and it's obviously evolved, but the beautiful thing about um, what I realized, and it was folks teaching me, but I realized about Bitcoin specifically is that it's the fairest form of money ever invented. And so we as black folks, we've never wanted special treatment. We've never wanted extra handouts. All we want is it to be fair. How is it fair? Okay. So it's completely fair because my Satoshis that I hold on the blockchain are viewed by the blockchain itself as exactly equal to Elon Musk's. And so in the history of money up until now, the more money you had, the more access you had to cheaper and cheaper money. So that's why the playing field was was never even close to being able to be equalized. If if you have, if you have $10 million, you go to the bank and say, give me a million dollars. If you have $10,000, Ten thousand dollars. You 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 go to the no, bank. You can't like, go to the bank here. and get a hundred dollars. And if you go, and the only place you can go are the loan sharks who are going to charge you 25 percent interest. Whereas if you have ten million dollars, you go to the bank. They're going to charge you two point nine percent interest. In right. in other words, you get access to more and cheaper money. Right. And if you have less, which the reverse should be true, but right. that's just the fact. So it's completely unequal. Not to mention the fact, even the ascending value asset classes, the systemic and institutional racism that's baked in. For instance, folks have been told, hey, if you want to build wealth, you need to own real estate. So what happens? Oh, systemic racism. So we just saw, I mean, just this last post last week from the lady who was in tears saying she had two appraisals on her house. The third one, she brought in a white lady to pretend she was the owner and the value of her house doubled. So just Think about the impact that of that is crazy. over 15 million homes. And you're talking about a half devaluation in these black neighborhoods. So okay. all of that capital is lost and gone. And therefore, having a, f- a fair form of money 
is what is needed. And that's what Bitcoin, and let me just say this, this is the analogy I use for folks so they get it in their head what I'm actually talking about. Years ago, and you'll attest to this, as a black man in New York City, I would raise my hand to catch a cab. And <laughs> particularly, particularly if it was raining and it was competitive to get a cab, Ooh. whatever, even if it wasn't, they'd drive right by me. And that was systemic racism, right? Sure. I want people to understand that, okay? Because people have always tried to claim that the free market or the dollar is more powerful than racism. It is not true, people. Right. Racism, I'm not even going to use that word. Racism, I was about to say a T word that I've refused to say. Racism um, Racism is, is stronger than the free market idea of a dollar. Sure, sure. Will pass up that dollar. So what happens? A guy named Travis decides to create a tech that decentralizes transportation. It's called Uber, right? And what happened that is certainly Travis wasn't thinking about solving a specific institutional or systemic racist problem with Uber. But you know what the technology did? Because the technology is agnostic to race. Now you could argue, hey, it knows what zip code you're in and therefore maybe there are fewer cars or they're charging you a little bit more if you get a car in that zip code and there are more black people in that zip code. Sure, we can go all the way down there. But ultimately that car still shows up for me. Sure. Um, and, and that is what is the same truth about money and Bitcoin. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door Thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today 
and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. Make It Plain covers politics and social justice. From organizers to legislators, it's the conversation you need to get woke. Well, one th- one thing with, with Bitcoin in specific, uh, as opposed to the other coins, and I want to talk a little more specifically about the other coins as we go along. Bitcoin is like 95% owned by like like five percent of the people or something like that like like there's gigantic billionaires whales who own the overwhelming majority of the bitcoin that there is in the world and will ever be yes so so are it does that not portend a similar sort of future with the currency than what we have now that most people being locked out of acquiring wealth. No, that's why you're making my point about why there's this immediacy of now of onboarding people of color and historically marginalized people into Bitcoin. We got to get folks in now. It's and, and so, so the narrative that they missed the boat or it's too late. No, no, no. There's less than there's less than two percent worldwide adoption. It is super early. And yeah, there's, there's, there are whales that, that have a, a huge amount of it, but that doesn't mean that more diversity and ownership of Satoshis, because you got to remember over time, they will start to let some of their holdings go because it won't make sense to continue to hold that much of it. It's going to get spread out over time. That's what happens with the trajectory of it. You know, there was a time way back when, when very few people held all the gold. And then you see over time, gold starts spreading out. Now, there's still a lot of people that hold a lot of gold. Yes, but I would argue to you that the opportunity for decentralization exists so much more in Bitcoin than it does in fiat currency or hard money. You got to remember the top 1% of the 1% made over added over a trillion dollars plus to their balance sheet during a global pandemic. If you want to talk about centralization and unfairness of money, look straight to fiat currency. We printed over 22% of the circulating supply of, of fiat dollars last year. What keeps poor folks poor is inflation and the fact that 90% plus of the assets that poor communities hold is in cash, where the flip or reverse is true for the wealthy. And so we need to get marginalized communities out of cash because every time their head hits the pillow, their their buying power goes down by the time they wake up in the morning. Let's let's talk for the folks who, who, who are in the space right now Bitcoin's having a rough 
rough go of it. Yes. Dropped about 50% in uh, the last recent period. Um, Which is really good, by the way. Well, yeah, well, now we're we seeing who happen. really believes in it and who's scared and going to run away now. But why is it really good that it's dropped so much? It's, it's really good because, again, it's providing more people access to the asset at a, at a, so at a lesser price. So with that same amount of money, you get more Satoshis. Now, those of you that are listening that don't know what a Satoshi is, a Satoshi is simply a fractal share of one Bitcoin. So just so you know, there'll be ultimately when all Bitcoins are minted, there'll be 21 million total. That's it. No more. There will be no more than 21 million. And every Bitcoin has 100 million Satoshis in it. So just like a dollar has pennies, $1 has 100 pennies, every Bitcoin has 100 million Satoshis. And so I believe you know, I don't know if it's five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, when there'll be a time where we're not even talking about Bitcoin. We'll be just talking about Satoshis because the price of an actual Bitcoin will be so high that no one's even talking about trading a full Bitcoin. They'll just be talking about um, uh, acquiring Satoshis or a certain number of Satoshis. It's just like when gold, when gold was, you know, it still is in many ways the standard of the main standard of value. People used to talk about the price of a gold brick, but no one for many, many years has gold got priced in ounces because the gold brick itself got too expensive. So, so no one was buying bricks. They were buying ounces. The same thing's going to happen with Bitcoin with Satoshis. And so we want to encourage, I want every black person in America to be a Satoshi millionaire within the next two to three years. That means if you have three kids and it's you and a husband, that's five people in the household, you need to have at least five million Satoshis in that household. Every person I want to have a million, every Latino family, a million Satoshis. That's my benchmark for, for the goal. And that's just the minimum, minimum, minimum. It's so popular for, for, for folks who are evangelizing to, to throw out a number. Here's what I think Bitcoin could get to. What is it that you think that it could get to? I never I never talk about that. And I'll tell you why, because I don't want people to even think about the price. I think that if you're thinking about price, then you're, you're missing the whole fundamental nature of what Bitcoin is. Because when I tell people I want them to collect Satoshis and buy Satoshis, I say, I, I don't I want you to I'm not telling you to buy Bitcoin. I'm telling you to sell your dollars. And so that means you're buying it to hold. So the price doesn't matter because you're holding it as a long-term asset for the future of you and your family. What do I mean by that? It means that at the point in the future when you need liquidity and you need access to capital, you're not going to sell your Bitcoin. You're going to loan your Bitcoin as an asset to get cash against it, just like what people do with their houses, okay? So you're going to hold the asset not sell it. And if you're holding, it's just like, if I never sell my house I'm in, what difference does it make what the house next door sold for or over? The only difference it makes if I actually need to leverage the actual value of that through an appraisal and therefore take out a loan on that appraised value. That's it. And that's what I want people to think about with so their when we're So when we're acquiring Bitcoin, we should be thinking of it as something we would never sell. Yes, exactly. It's same for Ethereum. Now you're getting into a different world. Or that's Ethereum a different conversation. Different okay. And it exists in a different way and it's a different use case. So, you know, there, there very well may be other platforms that come along that are much more efficient 
than Ethereum at what it does. And therefore, valuations are going to change based off of that. Now, could Ethereum go up more year on year and over time than Bitcoin? Sure. So you got to remember, I'm talking about a store of value. Bitcoin is a store of value, something that you invest in to store your money into. So it's an ascending value asset class, just like fine art is considered a store of value. You know, in other words, you're parking your money into Bitcoin rather than keeping it in cash. If you want to start talking about trading assets and what's the potential best investment, what's going to go up the most over the next year versus two years, that's a different conversation. That's, that's investment advice, which is different than what I'm giving. I'm not giving anybody investment advice. I'm giving advice around store of value, where to hold your money that you do not need access to over time, where to put your money in terms of value. Two different things, two different things. I'm not arguing that Bitcoin is going to go up percentage-wise as the highest value percentage uh, crypto. What I'm, what I'm offering to you is that from the risk management perspective and from a historical perspective and from its design perspective, is it's an excellent and fair store of value. It's interesting to make the store of value case when we see the gigantic swings that it is having, that it can Absolutely. jump 50% up or down. That's somebody, why you got dollar cost average. Asked, no, I know, I know. That's how we get in. But somebody just asked me yesterday, well, how much do you have? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I have to look it up. I don't know. I don't know if I, you know, if I had put it in a, in a savings account, which, which I, I understand the problems of that, but I would know I put, I put 10 in the savings account. There's 10 in there. This shit. I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know. Bitcoin dropped 50% in the last blah, blah, blah. So it's lit, but it's going to be more trust. It's going to be more. Trust me. I believe in it. No, 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 no. But see, that's the point. When it drops, that just means it's on sale. So you buy more. Sure. Sure. And that's what dollar cost averaging and, and weighted dollar cost averaging is. You can set up for yourself what percentage. But this is, again, I want to go back to the point. The money you're putting in through the Black Wall Street digital wallet, when you put money into the wallet and you start purchasing Bitcoin, the whole idea is that you want to be using money that you don't need to touch in the short term. That's why financial literacy and education is so critical because. You want to make sure that you're using money that you do not. In other words, if you've been buying a $5 Starbucks for the last 10 years every day, you know that you don't need to touch at least $5 a day because you can't go back to Starbucks and get that money back. So you can be pretty confident that I can do. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. 
Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamin, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I could dollar cost average $5 a day into Bitcoin. And on the Black Wall Street wallet, you set up a $5 a day buy, and that just happens, and it's just rolling. That's the it. If you, I don't want you to take like your whole paycheck, throw it in on one day. If the price does drop and you need to get money at, then that then you it actually hurts you. And that's the point. That's why we have to really let people know the difference between a dollar cost averaging play over time and actually taking money and and just. So you're really you're really about Bitcoin. Your response to Ethereum was different. Dogecoin. Oh, don't even get started other- on the meme coins. It's too much risk. To me, if you want to go to Vegas, then just admit you're going to Vegas and have a good time because you get free drinks while you're sitting at the table and you get to look at pretty <laughs> girls. I mean, go, so all the that. others, Litecoin, Ave. You're not they into. All- you're not. No, so no, she's, they, you're not into any of these. No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. I hold positions in a number of those. Can but you say which ones you like? No. You Why have, not? Because you have to do your own research and know what value prop that each one has. But it, but but each but each of these each of these altcoins are totally different. Some of them are serious and some of them are not. But the yes. not ones can make you money. People they did can. make money on Doge. So I mean, like if folks who are really smart. I mean, you know, you said it's not it's not investment advice, but just you just said like these are some of the communities, some of the projects that I yes. believe in. So so here's the deal. Each coin has a different use case and value proposition. And people have to look at that, some short term, some long term. But you have to also remember, and this is the critical point when we talk about where someone parks their money, is risk management. Everybody always wants to talk about the upside. Everybody always wants to run to, man, Dogecoin went up 1,000%, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Here's the problem. The downside risk factors are so significant with these altcoins and meme coins. Why? Because once they start to run down, there are no buyers for them. So literally they can go to zero in 30 minutes. Yeah. That's not true for Bitcoin. Your downside risk, there are always going to be buyers on the way down. I mean, I, I, I mostly agree with you. I believe in Bitcoin, which is why we're even having this conversation. I mostly believe you. I did not think after we got to 63, that we would ever be able to get back to 33. So oh, I I'm, thought- I was, was hoping that we'd get, I, would, I didn't think that we could get down to 20. 
1917, but I was hoping we would get there. But, uh, uh, I mean, I, I would see it, as you are saying, as a buying opportunity, as yes. a sale and all those sort of things. But I would hope that there are enough people in the space that there will be resistance enough at certain points. Because if you got to a 19, that meant that there were people who saw it at 30 and were like, let it fall. I can still get, as opposed to saying, yo, it's at 30. This is, a, this is a lifetime opportunity. And, and get it all in. And it can't get below there because this is right. I mean, there has to be certain points of resistance for it to really be. And there value. are, there are, you got to remember it was just March of last year that it was at $3,000. So, right, 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 so, right. so it's, it's, it's a massive move up already. Even if you're, even if you're sitting at 17, 18, 19, that's a lot more than $3,000 of March, March, 2020. So, so it, it, in comparison to its high, sure. But if you look at the moving averages, a lot of people choose like a 34 day moving average or a 30 day moving average or all those things. The, these, the, the volatility is actually extremely healthy because it allows more people in and it allows people to spread around. You know, it's not a coincidence that this drop happened during tax time, okay? Mm. The, tax, the tax deadline was extended to mid-May and when did the drop happen? Right then. I mean, come on. People, wasn't it about, wasn't it, what, people have assigned of a number blame of things. To, to China. China made an announcement. It was tax time. And the you know, Treasury made an announcement as well. Here's Elon Musk. <laughs> yes. Here's the deal. None of this stuff matters. This is, I guess, what I'm trying to get to. It doesn't matter. The fundamentals are sound. The fundamentals are there. The train has left the station. You know, it's not going to zero, right? And that's the risk, right? The risk has always been before recent time. I mean, you're talking about the reason why, you know, if you look at all the altcoins and you look at how much money is into Bitcoin, it's literally 50%. So there are almost 9,200 crypto coins out there, right? 50% of the money in crypto is in Bitcoin. 50%, half. So the other half is in the other 9,199. What, what, what is the percentage that's in Ethereum? If 50% I don't know the Bitcoin, exact percent, okay. but it's, 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 Ethereum is the second most held. Right. But I don't know the exact percentage of, in terms of market cap in crypto, okay. where that is. I mean, we could easily just Google it right now and it would come up, but it's not. Because it's my belief at this point that Ethereum has a higher ceiling than Bitcoin. Okay. And, you know, hey, listen, I don't, I don't. I believe know. in both of them, but I'm feeling like there's more room to go up for this. Again, for Ethereum than you're talking about upside. And I also want to remind you, you have to consider downside, risk management. What does that mean? What do I mean by saying that? So sure, Ethereum is priced where it is, and perhaps there's a higher multiple up for it. Let's say it's it's 2,000 and then it goes to 10,000. You know, that's a five a five X. If Bitcoin five X from where it is right now, would it be? 180. Do the math, I don't know. 200. 200, whatever. Point being, but 
watch what I'm about to say. The use case for Ethereum is a certain type of use case. If other platforms come along that are, have been developed and already developed that usurp that use case, for instance, you're able to, to mint NFTs and do other things significantly cheaper. The gas fees are less. Obviously, Ethereum is dealing with their high gas fees, and that is they're evolving. They have this new Ethereum that's coming. But the, ultimately, the point I'm saying is, is that if Ethereum becomes obsolete, it could go down significantly. So there's a higher downside risk than attached to Bitcoin. Why? Because Bitcoin just does what it does, and it does what it does really, really well as a store of value. It's not trying to really be anything else than what it's doing. Now, you'll put things on top of, uh, of the Bitcoin layer, like the Lightning Network and all of these things, and those will become more efficient, and that'll be great. But Bitcoin is very efficient at doing what it does, so that's why, to me, the downside risk with Bitcoin is significantly less. Um, is there is there a particular reason why black people need to get into this in particular for for us? I know you talked about fairness, but I could see some of us are investors and willing to take a ride and willing to you know to slide up and down. Some of us are maybe have been hurt by investing in the past, a little more afraid. Why do we need to get into this? We need to get into this because we need to get out of cash. We need to get out of having the vast majority of our assets that we hold in cash. Cash is a descending value asset class every day your buying power goes down. Every single day you're getting poorer. That's why we have- Because of inflation. Because of inflation and the buying power. Uh, uh, we have, you and I both know people working three jobs that are barely making ends meet. They're getting paid as hourly wage workers. The hourly wage has not kept up in any way with the cost of living. It's expensive to be poor. And so you have to get out of that asset class to be able to keep up. And so getting into an asset class that outperforms the cost of living in a significant way is critical. And this is one that has very few barriers to entry. That's why having our own digital wallets is critical. We've got, also got to understand that there are other folks that have these digital wallets out there that don't have their, our community's best interest in mind. They're actually trying to be modern day payday lenders. And so we want to fight that. And there's also a benefit to us owning our own wallet. And that's why I created the Black Wall Street digital wallet. It's recirculation of dollars within the community. So we can have the group economic effect. So it's not just about investing in a semi-value asset class. It's about who you exchange your money with. We have $1.2 trillion of spending power in the Black community, yet a dollar leaves the black community within six to seven hours from when it gets in because we aren't recirculating our dollars and therefore creating jobs and opportunity, et cetera. We can do that with our own technology. And that's why I need people. Please go to the blackwallstreet.com. Please put in your email address. In all eyes on me, you're playing me. <laughs> it's funny you say that because you, you know, uh, 
there's another brother who claimed I was playing him. And he wanted, to, he wanted to know where his check was. And I was like, man, I'm not even in the money flow like that. <laughs> so I, I do not know. I do not know. But yes, I, it's an honor if people think that I'm playing you, which would do, that would be an honor. Um, so, yes. So, no, I know. I saw it. I was like, wow, like I had a similar moment with Pac. I mean, me and Kevin Powell both had that moment with Pac at that time. Yes. And he went to the prison, but I had a conversation with him as well. And I was like, wow, like, I feel like he's kind of taking me on screen right now a little bit. <laughs> I love it because the thing is, is that when I got to read, obviously I read your interview, I read Kevin's interviews and I, you know, I, I, I got to, to hear the interviews and just, just obviously a ton of interviews. And just trying to think because there was a, a wealth of opportunity to, to ad lib, right? So, you know, those, I never really got to talk about this movie that much, but those interview scenes were the first scene shot in the film. Okay. And the, and the young brother who played Pac looks so much like him. I mean, it's, it's yeah. uncanny. Yeah, it is. Um, yet it was his first big film and he trained a lot for this and he was ready. But at the same time, this, these interviews was kind of his opportunity to kind of get his feet wet in the film and sort of get his sea legs and get comfortable. And they were kind of using me as they were like, Hill, come on, you know, work with him, mentor him a little bit through this process and what it's like. And that's why we took this opportunity to do a ton of improvisation. And there's so much footage that's really, really good that, obviously didn't make the cut of the film just because you couldn't have a film that was an hour and a half, two hour interview, you know? Right, right, and, right. Um, but, but I'm very proud of the work that we did on that film and, and proud to follow this spirit of black journalists, young black journalists, young black male journalists who saw Pac as an important voice and, and felt that they wanted to, and you guys wanted to take the time to hear what he had to say in a real, you know, in a real journalistic way. So, For more from me and Hill, join us over at patreon.com slash Torrey show where we go deeper into his acting career. Thanks so much to Hill for a great interview, and thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, Gerville Calais, Michelle Brenda Cox, Kathy F., Kina Murphy, Earl Dorsey, and Theo Tokis. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. And on Patreon at patreon.com slash Show. And check out my newsletter, Black Minds Matter. Go to blackmindsmatter.substack.com. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editors, Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. 
We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.